Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. I invite your attention uh, to the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter number 9. I want to preach a little bit of what I feel that the Lord has dropped in my heart for this morning. Let's remember prayer meeting on Monday evening. Let's also remember um, our service tonight. Invite somebody to the house of the Lord. If you're a guest here this morning, or um, maybe this is first time for you to be here, or maybe you've been here before, and but just not a frequent um, one that comes and, and fellowships and worships with us, we want you to come back again tonight and be a part of the service. Acts chapter number 9 and verse 10, we're jumping into the midst of a story of uh, Saul, which would become the Apostle Paul's conversion. And we'll start with verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight and arose and was baptized. I want to direct your attention back to verse 11. The Lord speaking here to Ananias said, Arise. Go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, behold, he prayeth. Behold, he prayeth. And I want to simply use that as a subject here this morning. Behold, he prayeth. There's the key. There's the key to this conversion. This is the key to this great miracle 
in this story is this one little phrase that is interjected in this verse, these few words that are spoken, behold, he prayeth. And that's what I want to speak about here today. Would you lift up your voice with me once again? And let's pray that the Lord would anoint and bless in this service today. We need his help, need his direction, his strength, his anointing. Would you pray fervently with me right now? Jesus, we are asking you once again to meet with us. We're praying, Lord, that you would speak through your unworthy servant. Also anoint the ears of this congregation to hear, to receive the word of the Lord as it is preached this morning. Help us to be responsive. Help us, O oh God, to uh, open our hearts to heed the Word of God as it is preached. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Behold, he prayeth. I am particularly thankful for the many accounts that we have in the Scripture of miracles, signs, wonders, intervention by God, deliverances that we read about, and uh, they do a lot to encourage us, to strengthen us, and to help us in our journey in living for God. Many times we can identify with the needs that people had in the Scripture, even though it was many thousands of years ago, things that they struggled with, things that confronted them, things that they needed God to intervene with them in their lives, uh, is many times things that we can identify with. We're no different than they are. The Scripture says, and it's true, there is no temptation that has come to you but what is common to man. Every one of us, uh, have the same challenges and struggles. It's, uh, I know that, that there's been a lot of advancement over the years and there's been a lot of things that have arisen over time uh, that have made things more complicated, it might seem. But many of the struggles that you and I face, people face those same struggles back in Bible times. We're no different than they are. Human nature is still the same. We're all fighting the same devil, so we can identify with that. We can identify with their same needs. The names of the struggles may be different, but somehow or another it all parallels. And we can all, we can all relate with those people of the Scripture. And then I think there's nothing that uh, is any more inspiring than to read about the conversions that took place in the Word of God that are recorded there for all of us to read the great testimonies of how that the Lord brought people out of a life of sin, that God changed people. And truly, we use this word conversion, but let's don't use it so frequently that we forget the definition of it or the importance of it or lose uh, uh, the power of that word of really being converted there is a difference in, in just coming to church and being converted. There's a difference in carrying the label of a Christian and truly being converted. There's a difference in changing for a little while or for a season in your life and really being converted. When you're converted, everything is altered. 
everything is changed about you. Your very nature is different from that moment. You are born again. It doesn't matter what you were before. It doesn't matter what your propensities for sin were. When you come to God and are truly converted, those things are over with. You're changed. You're different. Amen. And, and there's nothing that brings conversion in the life of a person but obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the death, burial, and resurrection that we see in the New Testament as repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It takes that to be truly converted. You're not converted because you repeat a sinner's prayer. You're not converted because you felt a good warm sensation when you came to the altar. You're not converted because uh, you joined uh, or you associate or you fellowship with a certain church. But you're converted by being obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God is still converting people today. He's still changing people today. He's still making people new again today. He can take an old man that is wretched with sin and marred by the things of this world and his life is corrupt and filthy and filled with all kinds of uh, things that are ungodly and worldly and given over to a carnal nature. And he can take that man when he's obedient to the Word of God and repents of his sin and he's sincere about that repentance. That's why I really kind of have a problem with all of this this uh, ritualistic prayer stuff of you repeat after me and you say this prayer and everybody here, I want you to follow after me and follow my example in, in repentance. I'm going to tell you when you really repent, you, it's got to be from your heart. It's got to be from down deep in your spirit. You've got to talk to God sincerely from your innermost being. You've got to get right with God. You've got, you got to be honest with the Lord. You've got to get down to the brass tacks. You can't just repeat some preacher's prayer or somebody else uh, leading you in prayer. It's got to come from you. It's got to be personal. You've got to agonize sometimes in an altar. and You've got to, you've got to pray through some things when you repent. When you truly repent, you're, you're dying out and, and and uh, it's not an easy thing for any of us uh, to acquiesce and to yield ourselves and to fully repent. It's, it's like a death struggle. Nobody wants to die. And as long as there's just a little bit of life in us, we're going to struggle for air. And we're going to struggle to stay alive. And that's the way your old carnal man is sometimes. It's fighting and it's resisting and it's uh, trying to stay alive. And when you come to that altar, you're, you're dying out to that old man. You're, you're dying out to that worldliness. You're dying out to that desire and appetite for sin. And it's not a pretty sight sometimes. Amen. When somebody truly repents, there's tears involved many times. I, I'd say most of the time. There's, there's brokenness involved. There's, there's contrition involved. There's, there's coming to an altar and saying, God, I want you to rend this, this out of me. This part of me that is unlike you. This, this part of me that is ungodly. 
This part of me that is not pleasing unto you, I want you to rend it out of me. I I want you to take this old attitude, and I I want you to take this old spirit, and I, I want you to take these things that are enmity against you, because how many knows that the carnality, the carnal man is enmity, the Bible said, against the spiritual man. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and so there has to be a dying out and a, and a repentance in order to really break through and get a hold of God. And so when a person is truly converted, it's an amazing thing. It's a, it's a powerful thing when the Holy Ghost comes in to a person's life. And, and can I say this, that many times the reason why people struggle receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost is because they have not really truly repented of their sins. When you repent of your sins, the Bible said it's a promise. You don't have to weary with it. You don't have to, you don't have to struggle with it. You don't have to, you don't have to tarry for it, but it's something that is promised that will come when you truly repent of your sins. Praise God. Anybody believe in old fashioned repentance? Anybody believe in the necessity of fully repenting of your sins? This is something that I I have seen in recent years that is not discussed and taught and preached about, but it's still very much a part of the doctrine of an apostolic. It's still very much a part of your Bible. It's not been whitewashed. It's not been taken out. It's not been extracted. You still have to repent in order to receive the promises of God. He'll tells me in his word that if I'll turn from my wicked ways, that he would hear me and that he would heal me and that he would respond to me, that he would work in my life. Praise the Lord. I can't have it my way. I can't do it the way I want to do it. I can't keep walking in my rebellion against God. I, I can't be continuing in the stubbornness of my sin. I, I got to repent. I got to make things right. I got to ask for forgiveness. I've got to be sorry for my sin. Amen, 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 amen. And it's old-fashioned repentance that brings that into being. It's old-fashioned repentance that, that causes this to happen in our lives. And, and it's an amazing thing to watch. It's incredible to see somebody that was so far out, so far gone, and maybe seemed hopeless. Amen. Many of you in this congregation, that was your life story. Maybe you seemed hopeless. Maybe you seemed too far gone. But God, as we sung about here this morning, and his mercy reached to you and began to, to, to move in your heart and compel you, and you felt that, that drawing and that magnetism of the Spirit, and you came and you repented and you began this, this uh, obedience to the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And by, by submitting yourself and opening up your heart and yielding yourself to the Lord and repenting of your sins and being obedient, being baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins, that God gloriously filled you with the Holy Ghost. And now you have the testimony that you used to be that man or that lady. You used to be involved in those things. It used to be said of you that you was a sinner. It used to be said of you that you were lost and undone. It used to be said of you that you was worthless and it seemed like you were hopeless. But 
God in his mercy reached to you and saved you and set you free. I'm going to tell you, that's a powerful thing, brothers and sisters, when somebody is converted, when somebody is saved, when somebody is pulled out of sin, when somebody is changed by this glorious gospel. That's something to shout about. That's something to rejoice about. That's something to get happy about. I'm still happy that he found me. I'm still happy that I have the Holy Ghost. I'm still thankful that I'm saved. I'm still thankful that I'm not out there. But I'm right here this morning lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. How am I able to do that? I'll tell you how. It's because I've been converted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I suppose that there is no greater conversion that we could talk about this morning than the one that I am am reading from in the book of Acts, the ninth chapter. What a powerful, powerful story. And we know that it's recounted in other places. And uh, Paul, uh, later, uh, he became Paul. He, He was first called Saul, but he became the apostle Paul. And Paul would recount this testimony. He never forgot it. And, and I think there's a message right within that, that, that once you're really converted, you don't want to go back. You don't want to talk about uh, what you used to be. You don't want to delve into the things that God has brought you out of. You're not interested in playing uh, on the fences and, and trying to, to get as close to the line as you possibly can. If God saved you from it, you don't want anything to do with it. And you're thankful for the mercies of God that reached you. And you want to tell everybody about what the Lord has done for you in your life. And this was the Apostle Paul's testimony that the Lord had saved him. And there was a great conversion. And that is inspiring to our faith to look at the Apostle Paul where God brought him from, what God was able to do through him after he was saved, knowing what he was before he came to God and and how far and extremely uh, away from the Lord he was and how he was such a uh, persecutor of the church. Not only was he not living for God, not only did he not believe in the things of the Lord, but he was actually doing all he could to resist Resisted and to stop it and to fight against it. But yet the Lord got a hold of him. Yet the Lord had mercy upon him. I want to stop right here and preach to somebody this morning and tell you that God is able to reach people wherever they are. God is able to save people that sometimes we give up on. God is able to take the hopeless and those that seem like they're, they're, they're in extreme sin and they're away from God as about as far as they could possibly be. They seem like they're an enemy to the things of God. God is able to turn them around. God is able to bring a total change into their life. I will tell you there's folks in this congregation as well as myself that is praying, praying for people that you love and praying for people that you're associated with. Maybe they're co-workers. Maybe they're family members. Maybe they're, they're people that live near you. Maybe they're people that you're friends with or associated 
with in this city or, or maybe outside of this city, but they're away from God. And, and you look at their life and you examine their situation and you can get the idea if you're just looking through the eyes of the flesh uh, that it seems like they're a long ways from God. It seems like that perhaps they would never really turn around and serve the Lord. Well, this story today ought to be an encouragement to your faith. It ought to inspire you that this one that railed against the things of God, this one that fought against the things of God, this one that resisted the things of God, the Bible said that God was still able to get a hold of him. Oh, would somebody help me preach a little bit here this morning? That God was still able to, to save that person that seemed so far gone. That person that seemed like they were so far away. God was able to change their life. It almost seems like the, the harder that, that Paul or at that time Saul resisted God uh, the, the, the more he, he tried to stop what God was doing and he fought against it the closer he was to having his own rendezvous with God the closer he was to salvation the closer he was to God getting a hold of him isn't that often true when it seems like a person is doing all they can to resist that really maybe there's something internally going on within them and God's stirring them up he's causing them to say some of the things they're saying he's causing them to have some of the attitudes that they're having and really down deep in their heart they're trying their best to put up a wall of resistance but God is reaching to where they are and God is stirring their soul. God is doing a work within them. And God is, con- I want to encourage somebody. You just keep on praying. Don't, don't listen to everything they say and every attitude that they have. And don't judge the situation before the trial's over with. I'm going to tell you, God is able to turn that deal around. God is able to make a difference in their life still yet. It's important that you don't give up. It's important that you continue to be faithful. It's important that you continue to have faith. It's important that you be encouraged. Because the bigger they get and the stronger they resist, the harder they fall, as the old saying is. So you just got to be encouraged in the Lord and realize that if he can get a hold of Paul, who was the self-acclaimed, Brother Smith, chiefest of sinners, he admitted, I was, I was out there. I was an extreme case. Nobody thought of me ever being what I am today. And he said, I'm humbled when I think about where the Lord has brought me from. I realize I don't deserve this. And where God has elevated me to in his kingdom is far beyond what anybody expected. And it was the work of God. It was the work of God because there was prejudice against Paul. There was fear concerning Paul. There was a lot of things that, that uh, had to be overcame in order for Paul to have a ministry, you understand, in the New Testament church, because no doubt there were family members that had been persecuted by Paul. No doubt there was connection uh, with people in the church that had died at the hands of Paul. 
who was who was once Saul. And, and so there was a lot of things that had to be overcome. But you don't write God off. And God is able to change things all around. Praise the Lord. I said God is able to change things all around. That person that you didn't think would ever be a preacher. That person that you never thought that God could lay his hand on. That person that you never thought that God could ever use or anoint. Don't you write them off because God hasn't written them off yet. Praise the Lord. There was a conversion that took place that was, that was life changing. That's what a conversion is. It was altering to the point that this man would never be the same. He, he was... He was vehement. He was, he was breathing out threatenings and railings in the beginning of this chapter that I read to you from. And he's got papers in his hand, orders to go and extend his persecution beyond Jerusalem and the church there. But now he's going over to Damascus see if he can't find a few hiding uh, amongst the stuff at Damascus. Christians that have escaped perhaps Jerusalem and found their way over there and, and trying to continue their faith and practice their faith and and he's going to go down there and find. He's heard that there's Christians down there. And he's going to go down there and find them. And while he's on the road with his entourage, the Bible says that there was a great light that shined from heaven. And he fell off of the beast that he was riding. And he was blinded. And he heard a voice speaking to him. And he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And I'm making a long story short. And the Lord spoke to him. And uh, as he was praying and, and talking to the Lord, the Lord told him, I want you to go on into Damascus. You have somebody lead you. You're blind. You have somebody lead you on into Damascus. And you ask uh, when you get to a street called Straight, you ask for one named Ananias. And he, he's going to preach to you this gospel. He's going to tell you what you need to do from this point. And if you want your healing, you want your sight, you, you, this is what you need to be obedient to. And this is a powerful event that we read about. How That God got a hold of this man and began to shake him and stir him. He shook every bit of pride out of him in just one moment. I'm going to tell you again, God can get a hold of somebody. And their pride and their arrogance and their haughtiness can be shaken out of them just like that. Sit here with your arms crossed this morning and, and your puffed up spirit and say, you know what, I don't need God, I don't need this church, I don't need a preacher, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do, I don't need the Word of God, all of that. But I'm going to tell you one thing, all it takes is one little old doctor's visit, one little old phone call. One little old situation, and your life is careening out of control like a plane in a tailspin, and you're saying, oh, my God, I need to find an altar. I need to get things right. I need to pray. I need to talk to God. I need the Lord to change some things. I need the Lord to get a hold of me. I need some mercy. I need some grace. I need the Lord to intervene in this situation. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't take a whole lot to realize that you need God in your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And, and so Paul, this man that started this journey so arrogant, in just a little while, he, he, he's, he's needing help. He's needing direction. He's needing a preacher. He's, he's went down there to kill preachers like Ananias, but now he, he's seeking him out for a different reason. Now he's wanting to hear what the man has to say. Now he's wanting the gospel to be preached to him. What a turnaround. What a turnaround. Praise God, and I'm preaching that God's still able to bring about those kind of turnarounds in the lives of people. Hallelujah. 
God's still able to bring those kind of turnarounds in families. And God's still able to bring those kind of turnarounds in churches. Uh, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. God's still able to bring those kind of turnarounds in marriages. And God's still able to bring those kind of turnarounds. Uh, amen. When it concerns your children. God's still able to bring those kind of turnarounds in your job. Uh, God's still able to bring those kind. You hear me in the Holy Ghost this morning. I'm not just preaching off the cuff. I'm preaching to you what the Lord has put in my mouth this morning. I'm telling you that God is able to turn things around. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And if God can change a man like Saul into being the Apostle Paul, there's nobody here that he couldn't help, that he couldn't change, and he couldn't get a hold of. And so, as Paul is making his journey down on to Damascus, God's told him where to go. God begins to speak to this other man that's going to need, it's going to need some confirmation too. And says, I want you to go down the street called Straight to a fellow by the name of Judas's house. He said, there I want you to call for one Saul of Tarsus. Immediately when those words come to him, there's a feeling of fear because he's a human. He, he, he's, he's a preacher. He's a man of God, but he's still got humanity. He still knows the facts. And the reality is, is that words got out, the reputation of Paul or Saul is, is that he's a persecutor. He's a killer of Christians. He, he can put you to death and that he has authority. Words already got out that he's came down to Damascus with authority. This could be a setup. This could very well be a trick uh, that uh, he's come down here and, and he's seeking out uh, some kind of uh, assistance from certain ones and, and uh, you know, he's acting like he's all sincere and everything and then he's going to get us all grouped up so he can persecute us, so he can totally stamp out any any. Uh, furtherance of the revival that God has given us in the church. And so he, he, he's pondering these things. He's, he's even asking some questions of the Lord. I, I've heard about this man's reputation. I, I don't know what to think about all of this. I, I want to be obedient to you. But there's these three words, these three words that I've used as a subject here this morning that stand out and illuminate themselves to me. And almost lift off the page as it says, the Lord speaking to Ananias, it says, Behold, he prayeth. He prayeth. There's your key right there, Ananias. He's been praying. I know what you've heard. I know what's been said. I know what you think. But he's been praying. And you know, there's a few things that I want to preach about here this morning that happens when people pray. There's a few things that, that take place and can transpire in a person's heart when they will be willing to pray. There's things that they wouldn't do and things that they could not have been before. But once they pray and they seek the face of God, they yield and they acquiesce and they do what is necessary to be obedient to God. First of all, a person that prays will heed the voice of the ministry. A person that prays, I want you to underscore that, will heed the voice of the ministry. They'll hear a preacher. And the Bible said, how can they hear except 
that there is a preacher that goes and preaches to them. It tells us that we will be saved by the foolishness of preaching. Not foolish preaching, but the foolishness. This practice of preaching to the carnal man. It, it seems so foolish, but that is God's way of using meager things and using base things. And, and that's the way that God speaks. And that's the way that God gets his message across. And that's the, how God's going to get in your heart. And that's how God... God is going to have access to your heart is through the preacher. That's the medium that he has chosen. That's the way he anoints a man to to preach to you, to tell you what you need to do to be saved. He said, behold, he prayeth. A a praying person can hear. They can heed. They they uh, They can yield themselves to the voice of a preacher, of a man of God. You know, I have found through the years that that people that are praying, people that are reaching out to the Lord, they are much easier to preach to than people that don't pray. You take people that don't pray, they they don't have any relationship with God outside of what they they got when they come to church and what what they have when they're around the church. And, and, uh, you know, and and really this is very limited. I know that, that some people are are whittling down on how many times they come to church. And even people in this congregation seem to be whittling down on how many times they come to church in a week. But I'm going to tell you something. We need to come to the house of God and be faithful to the house of God if we plan on being saved. And I don't apologize for making that remark. I said I don't apologize for making that remark. We need the house of God. We need to come. We need to be together. We need to hear preaching of the Word of God. We need direction for our lives. And, and uh, we don't need it less. We need it more. And so I don't apologize for having three services a week. And sometimes we have revivals and we go beyond that and we require a little more. And you need to make a habit of being faithful to the house of God. Well, preacher, I got a hangnail. Preacher, I, I, you don't understand. I got a Charlie horse. Uh, I got out in the garden yesterday and I was hoeing a little bit and, and uh, my calves are bothering me. And I'm going to tell you something. We can get all these little measly excuses and we can pile them all up and they're not worth 10 cents when it's all said and done. You better get your hide to the house of God if you plan on being saved. Hallelujah. I said, you better get yourself to the house of God and get prayed through and get renewed in the Holy Ghost and get you a passion for the house of God again. More to be continued later on that subject because it's really not my subject this morning. But prayer, people that pray can be preached to, but saints that are not praying They don't have an ear that can hear what the Spirit is saying. They're not attuned to what the Holy Ghost is trying to speak to them. It's easy for a person that is not praying to get offended when the preaching goes forth. You know, I don't know why it is, but we develop a little chip on our shoulder when we're not praying. We become, uh, our spirit becomes resistant against a voice of authority. It becomes resistant because there's something about the anointing that is authoritative. Come on now. Now, uh, you, you may like all that limp-wristed uh, preaching and all that, that, that tiptoeing through the tulips type preaching and all that bless your heart and pat you on the back, tell you all good, and, and you're, you're, you're sinning and you're away from God and you're not doing what you need to do. You may like all that, but that's not really preaching. Preaching going to get on your toes every once in a while. 
And if a preacher's worth his salt, he's going to come down your row every once in a while. And he's going to say things you don't particularly like every once in a while. And your flesh is going to resist against it. There's going to be an instant reflex in your flesh that's going to resist it. And, and the only way that you can keep that from happening is to continue to be prayerful. And say, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to talk to me. I'm going to tell you, I've been in services. Matter of fact, I was one not too long ago. I have been in a lot of church and for many years. And, and you know, uh, preachers can preach. And, man, they can, they can tear it up. And they can preach against everything and on everything. And it really doesn't offend me. But, but uh, you know, it had been a while since I, I mean, it was coarse. It was tough. I mean, it was, oh. I'm telling you, man, I thought, my God, I, I, I think I went to sleep and woke up in a, in a wrecking yard. I mean, beating and a banging. And, and, and I got to praying afterwards, and I thought, God, why is it that there was something that rose up? And I'm a preacher, but why is it that something kind of rose up in me that resisted that? And I, and I started praying, God, I need to be challenged. I need somebody to get up and preach that uh, maybe is a little stronger than I am sometimes to challenge me. I don't need just something that always soothes me and always, always makes me just feel better, but I need to be corrected sometimes. I need to be rebuked sometimes. I, I need something that resists uh, my carnality sometimes. Come on now. Praise the Lord. You know, if you're gonna get a if you're gonna get a diamond, you're gonna it's gonna take some cutting. It's gonna take some it's gonna take a, uh, some polishing, it's gonna take some resistance, it's gonna take some buffing. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you sometimes preaching buffets you, sometimes preaching resists something in you, sometimes preaching stirs, it makes you think. Sometimes you may get in your car and you're a little aggravated, but when the Holy Ghost begins to speak to you and say, you know what, you need to correct that, you need to deal with that. You don't got no business getting mad about that or upset or offended about that. You just need to get that right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And a preacher, a preacher that's always skating around things and always trying, always playing, playing to those that, that uh, maybe have a little influence or those that, that uh, tithe well and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you something. That's not the kind of preacher that is going to see you to heaven. That's not the kind of preaching that's going to see you to the glory world. You need a preacher that will preach to you. And the only way that you can have that in your life is for you to be praying. Praise God. That's why we have pre-service prayer, not pre-service fellowship. It's because we're utilizing that time. God, I want you to speak to me. And I hope to God that's not the only time you pray. If that's the only time you pray, you need to feel convicted here this morning. I hope you feel convicted. I hope you're uncomfortable. I hope you, you, you're squirming a little bit here this morning. Because you don't need to, to let the only time you bow your knee and pray or seek the face of God be the times that you're here at church. Because we're not serving, we're not serving an emergency room, God. We're not serving a fire escape, God. Come on now. We're not serving a God that just when, when trouble comes, that's who we desert to or who we run to. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's not that kind of a God to us. He's an everyday God. The Bible said for me to get up and say, God, give us this day our daily bread. Not this week. Not this Sunday. Not this Wednesday. But this day. Give me my daily bread. Deliver me from evil today. Help me, God, not to fall into temptation today. Help me to walk with you today. Come on now. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching whether you realize it or not here this morning. You, you, the only way you can handle preaching, the only way you can receive preaching is to be a person of prayer. I can feel it here this morning. There, there's some that say, well, you don't understand my past experience. You don't understand. I've been, un, I've been around abusiveness, and, and I've got this example of whatever, whatever. I'm going to tell you something. You can let that be an excuse that will send you to hell if you're not careful. I said, you can let that excuse, uh, you, can let that, you can let that damn your soul to hell if you're not careful. You need to realize that I need to trust a man of God. I need the word of the Lord. I've got to open up my heart. I've got to receive the preaching of of God's word somewhere, somehow. Amen. I've got to open up my spirit to what God's wanting to say to me. And the only way I can is through being a prayer, a person of prayer. And God can speak to me and I'll heed the voice of the ministry. I believe that when the Lord spoke those words, it was for a reason to Ananias, to give him confidence. You can go down there and preach. It'll be all right. Because this is a man that prays. This is a man that prays. And because he prays, you can speak to him. You know, it was said of Nabal. It was said of Nabal that he was not a man. That a man could speak to. You go read that story. And it also said he was churlish or that he was a fool. A fool is a person that nobody can talk to. Nobody can reason with. Nobody can preach to them. They know everything. They got it figured out. And they don't need preaching. They don't need anybody to preach to them. They don't need anybody to tell them anything. Nabal was a man that a man could not speak to. God help me. To be a man. This ought to be your prayer. Help us to be people that can be spoken to by the Word of God. That the, the Word of God can convict us and stir us up and move us at times. Can you say praise the Lord? So the first thing, because he prays, he will heed the voice of the ministry. People that pray can heed the voice of the ministry. Number two is that a person that prays does not have to repeat the mistakes of the past. Amen. I'm going to tell you, if you'll learn how after a good apostolic church service, when God moves in your life and you gain victory and you gain ground, if I could say it that way, and God does something for you and brings you to a certain place in the Spirit... You need to quickly, you hear me, quickly move in behind that and sure that up with a consecrated, devoted time of prayer. That's the only way you can continue and maintain whatever it is that God gives you. When God gives you victory, when God works in your life, when God helps you to obtain certain things in the Spirit, the only way that you can maintain it, the only way that you'll ever be able to keep it, ascertain it, is through prayer. Otherwise, you're doomed to recycle that problem again. Go back to the vomit. Go back to the problem. Go back, as the scripture says, to the ditch. 
from which you were dug. And too many people do that in our day. Too many people, they get down here, they get a hold of something. God works in their life. God gives them victory over certain things. God answers. God comes through for them. God helps them uh, to be rescued from situations. And then if they're not careful, they're, they're back doing those same things, falling into those same traps, becoming that same person, and going back and repeating the same mistakes that God delivered them from. But if you'll be a prayerful person, you don't have to go back. After this moment, I don't find that, that Paul ever returned, Saul ever returned back to being the man that he was before God found him. He never returned back to being the same person that he was before God spoke to him, before God got a hold of him on that road to Damascus. Why? Because I read occasion after occasion in the scripture where this was a man of prayer. This was a man that sought God. He said, I die daily. That's a daily prayer line. That's a man that seeks God daily. That's a man that comes to the altar daily. That's a man that comes to the house of God daily. That's a man that seeks after the will of God daily. Oh, why don't we lift our hands right now and let's talk to the Lord and let this kind of sink into our spirit here this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice to the Lord, saying of God. Let's talk to him today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Only way I can keep from going back, giving up, Quitting, returning is through developing a lifestyle. Everybody say lifestyle. Lifestyle of prayer. Then number three, people who pray go from being a threat to the church. From being a threat to the church to a blessing to the church. People that pray go from being a detriment to the church. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that is any more of a detriment to an apostolic church than carnality and sin. You say, well, I'm not. I know, how could I be compared to Saul, who was a persecutor of the church? Uh, 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 what kind of threat could I possibly be in comparison to him? I'm going to tell you, in, in a sense, spiritually, a carnal individual a sinful person, a person whose heart is filled with iniquity is a person that is just as dangerous to the progress of the church as that person that hurls stones at Stephen, as that person that, that persecutes, as that person that physically abuses, is that person that is behind the scenes. They're, they're living a life and of ungodliness and sin that is stopping uh, the progress and the promises of God from being fulfilled within the church. Why is it so quiet in here? Amen. Do you not believe that? 
I'm going to tell you what, we're responsible for how we live our lives as saints of God in this church. If we want the blessings of the Lord, if we want God's goodness, if we want God's favor, if we want God to, to give revival, there's a certain amount of consecration that has to come from each one of us. There's a certain amount of commitment that has to come from each one of us. There's a certain amount of, of respect for the Word of God that has to come from each one of us. And it's God that smiles on that. And it's God that blesses that. And it's God that fulfills. And it's God that comes down. And it's God that brings about uh, the promise and we're able to possess. Why? Because uh, there's somebody that's living the life. There's somebody that's backing up uh, what, what, is, what is happening in the Spirit with prayer. There's somebody that's saying, God, I don't want to be in the way of what you're doing. I want to be an assistance to what you're doing. I want to be a help to what you're doing. I don't want to be a roadblock. I want to be an open channel that you can use. I want to be a vessel that you can pour your anointing into that can be a blessing to the work of God. I don't believe there's one person in here that consciously wants to resist. Maybe there is that consciously wants to resist uh, revival, the church, or, or, or any of that. But I'm going to tell you, we can do it inadvertently. We can do, do it almost unconsciously if we're not careful. Why? Because we're not sensitive to the Spirit. We're not prayerful. We're not into the flow of the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost, amen, is to work like it needs to, then I need to yield to it. I need to acquiesce to it. I need to open up my heart. I don't need to be standing there and saying, well, I hadn't prayed like I should be praying, so I don't know if God wants to use me to do this. I haven't been praying like I should be praying, so I don't need to be worshiping. I don't, come on, it's time that we come to church and we're ready to worship God. We're ready to flow with the Spirit of God. We're ready to let the Lord move like He wants to because we've got our heart where it needs to be. We're already prepared when the church service starts that God, you're going to use me. You're going to use my word you're going to use my prayer you're going to use the anointing that I have to be a blessing to the work of God and to bring about the revival that you want to give us oh let's lift up our hands to the Lord and give him praise hallelujah hallelujah Behold, he, he prayeth. That's the difference. That's why you can go down there confidently. You, you know he's going to receive you, Ananias. You know he's going to hear the preaching. He's going to be obedient. Something powerful is going to happen. Like scales, the scripture says. Falling off of his eyes, he received his sight again. A literal change took place. And I said, when I lay my hands on you, you're going to receive your sight, and you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. So there's evidence there that he received the Holy Ghost. And then when he received his sight, he went and was baptized, the Scripture says. There was an obedience that came by because he had been praying. He had been praying. There's such a need for us to be prayerful and open to hear the voice of God. Would you stand with me? Would you talk to the Lord for just a moment right now? Would you open up your heart to the Lord for just a moment right here? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Come on, church, help me pray a little bit. Help me to reach out to the Lord right here. This is important. The Spirit of the Lord is going to move in this house. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. When I've been praying, I lose that edge. When I've been praying, I lose that critical spirit. When I've been praying, I don't judge a matter the same way. When I've been praying, I'm a little hesitant to touch something because I might be touching the Lord's anointing. When I've been praying, I'm a little bit more respectful and conscientious about what I say and what I do, where I go, what I involve myself in, what I've been praying. When I've been praying, I'm very much sensitive to what God is doing in a church service just like this. When God begins to deal with folks and the Spirit of the Lord and the presence of God as it is right here and, and, and maybe... Maybe there's those you've been praying and you recognize it. I believe there's many in this house that recognize what I'm talking about. You've been, you've been talking to the Lord and you can feel, you can feel this stirring right now. You can feel that moving of God's Spirit. You can feel the touch of the Holy Ghost in this place. And you can feel the nearness of God as, as He is dealing with your heart, as He is touching you and ministering. Even right now, you can feel that draw and that tug of the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. You know why? Because you've been, you've been, you've been talking to the Lord. You've been talking to the Lord. You've been, you've been being uh, open to the Lord's voice. You've been, you've been having dialogue with God. You, you've been, you've been, you've been spending time in His presence. And so now you can feel the, the drawing of, of His Spirit. It's not something that's foreign to you. You know, it's easy to even sit right here on these pews and hear preaching and being, being in service and hear apostolic singing and be around, be around church and, and, and become desensitized. It's easy to become so calloused and hardened in your heart that you, you, can, you can sit on the sidelines and let a move of God pass you by. But I wonder if there's a Bartimaeus in this house that would say, Lord, if you're passing by, if that's your presence, uh, amen, I may not deserve it. Uh, I may not be the most sensitive in being able to tell if it's for sure you, but, but God, I just have a feeling I can hear the rustling of the crowd and I can hear the sandal footfall of somebody from another world and, and I just want you to reach out to me. I just want you to touch me, God. Oh, I want you to have mercy on me. I want you to minister to me. I want you to help me. Is anybody that wants help here this morning? Anybody want the presence of the Lord to touch you here this morning? Why don't you reach over to somebody nearby and let's pray together right now. Let's pray together. Let's reach out to heaven together. Let's, let's see what the Lord would do here in the next few moments. There's a presence of God in this place for somebody that's open to it. There's a presence of God in this house for somebody to yield to it. There's a presence of God in this place for somebody that's willing to acknowledge it 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. God's trying to speak to you. God's trying to deal with you. God's trying to help you. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes the voice of the Lord can speak so softly if your ear's not trained, you won't hear it. They tell me people that worked in, around machinery and maybe plants where loud noises are, certain tones that they become deaf to because of the damage, become deaf to it, can't hear it. No matter how the volume's up, it doesn't matter. They're, they're, to that particular tone, they're deaf. I don't ever want to become tone deaf to the voice of God. I don't ever want to get to the place that I can't hear Him speaking to me loud and clear. But sometimes I don't recognize it if I've got a lot of other noise in my life. I can't recognize the voice of God. I wonder if somebody over all that's happened here today and all that's going on in your busy world, you could hear the voice of God calling to you. Calling to you. Come. There's a place for you. There's an altar for you. There's a place that I, I want to I sit down at the table and reason with you. I want, I want to deal with your heart. I want to touch your soul. I want to move in your midst. I want to help you. Would you come to this altar? If you're not tone deaf, would you come to this altar? Would you find a place on your knees, if you're able, and say, God, speak to me. Help me. Oh, yes. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Talk to me, Lord. Get a hold of me, God. Speak to me. Help me, God, to be able to hear. Help me be able to know, God, the voice of the Lord. Not to be callous to it. Unable to respond to it. But help me. If you'll speak to me, I'll pray. If you'll talk to me, I'll listen. If you'll tell me, I'll obey. But I gotta be saved. I gotta be right. I gotta be ready. We're coming down to the end. It's winding down. Our world, the signs of the times are telling us the day is far spent. Hour is at hand. Sun is setting. Coming of the Lord is near. Trumpets getting ready to sound. Church is getting ready to go home. Sinners are fixing to stand in front of a just God. I want to be ready. I got to be saved. The only way I can is to be a prayerful person. I got to pray. 
I got to have God to help me. I got to have God to speak to me and deal with me and strengthen me and touch my heart. Move on me. Form me as clay in a potter's hands. Thank you, Jesus.